Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer Rohan Nodkerny. Uh, Rohan is live from an undisclosed hotel room in <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona, breaking hearts, living the dream. Rohan, how is life in the desert? I mean, everything was pretty good uh, until the turmoil my life was sent into because of the troubled production of uh, Fast 10. So that's been, you know, just dealing with the emotional fallout from that versus also trying to do a good job, deliver stories uh, to readers has been difficult. I actually have a shout out uh, to give Mike. I was at Phoenix Suns uh, shoot around this morning. Today's Monday. And the lovely woman working at the front desk who checked me in uh, told me she subscribes to Sports Illustrated. Uh, so oh. shout out to her. Yeah, man. You know, she's the reason you and I are able to do this. So very thrilling. Is she also an open floor listener or did, you didn't get that deep in the, I, the weeds I, with her? She didn't strike me as somebody who's listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, but <laughs> That's okay. yeah, no, she's subscribing to the magazine. Um, yeah, you know. It's been a long time subscriber as well, so shout out to her. Wow, we're having an earnest start to today's I know, episode. I, I know. love it. That's that's glorious, wonderful. Um, on today's show, Rohan, we will be opening up the mailbag and breaking down Sunday's pair of game ones between the Celtics, Bucks, Warriors, and Grizzlies. But first, a quick reminder to all of our wonderful listeners to please keep the emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, all right, Rohan. So before we dive into yesterday's action and open up the emails, I feel like we should quickly address the biggest injury of these playoffs so far. Uh, I'm obviously talking about Marcus Smart's quad. Uh, he's questionable. No, I'm oh, just kidding. Uh, we're obviously talking about Joel Embiid's orbital fracture and concussion, which will keep him out of at least the first two games of Philly's round two series against the Heat. Uh, we didn't get to address this on our last episode because it happened that night, I believe, I want to say, or news. The, the He broke his face already, but we didn't know about it until after we posted that episode. So even though game one is tonight, this is a, sh- a short turnaround, but I feel like we should talk about it for a quick second. So just what is your, like, is the, is this series over? I, 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 I should say that Joel is expected to come back by either game three or game four. It might be too late by that point, but just what is your sense here on how this injury impacts the series? I mean, first and foremost, Embiid's just had awful injury luck during the playoffs, man. It's terrible. I mean, he was sick 
during that Toronto series in 2019. Uh, last year, I think people have honestly already forgotten. Um, was he playing with a torn meniscus? I mean, he was playing with a knee injury uh, for much of the playoffs last year. He was. Um, yeah, he had an orbital fracture that caused him to miss the first two games. Last time Philly played Miami uh, in the playoffs, in, in his first playoffs, I believe that was uh, – 2017 was that 18 now oh man all the philly years of that was 18 all the philly years have blended together but uh yeah man he's had awful injury luck and it it's just as unfortunate because it's not even like you know earlier in his career there were these concerns is this guy going to be in good shape is he going to take care of his body i think he's done all those things i think he's made all those leaps as a superstar he's an mvp finalist for a reason just tough to me I don't want to talk about this game too much because I think by the time a lot of people listen to this podcast, it will have happened already. But mm-hmm. I'm not ruling Philly out of this series. I'm not ruling them out of any of these games in Miami. The Heat uh, have their own injury issues. We don't know if Jimmy Butler's at 100%. Kyle Lowry's going to be missing at least game one. I'm really interested to see if Philly goes small, if they're willing to just kind of really play risky, get funky. To me, if I'm Doc Rivers... You're playing with a little bit of house money here in game one. Try something weird. See if you can catch the heat off guard. Play Matisse Tybel at center. Uh, play George Niang at center. Maybe try some weird stuff when Bam's not on the floor. See what you can do to kind of junk up the game or, or, or take the heat out of what they plan to do a little bit. And this is a moment for James Harden. I think he looked really good game six of that Raptors game. I don't think he's going to be uncomfortable with the responsibility they're asking him to carry. Can he execute? It's going to be difficult, but... I think Philly's still got a chance in this series. I really do. I think they have a chance, for sure. Um, I'm still picking the Heat, and I picked them with a healthy Joel Embiid. We should say, I mean, he had the torn thumb, also yeah, we should true. mention again. So he's got a whole bunch of stuff that he's dealing with. But to your point, it is it is tricky to game plan watch film, figure out what the Sixers are going to to throw at them. Um, they have not played James Harden uh, this season in a heat un- in a Sixers uniform, excuse me. And Doc Rivers said that, you know, they were going to lean into James Harden's offense. So that means spacing the floor. Maybe uh you know, Paul Millsap could get a look at the five. Um, Tyrese Maxey's probably going to have to play 40 plus minutes. And honestly, Max, I, I wonder who's going to guard Maxey with Kyle Lowry out. We should talk about that for a quick second, too. That's a not an insignificant injury. Uh, and like, yeah, the like I've been down on the Sixers supporting cast uh for basically since the trade deadline they do have some capable outside shooters though um and james harden has been diming guys up this entire i mean tobias harris i thought was really good in that raptor series maxi obviously had the breakout game but you know their supporting players i think had moments in that series yeah so danny green's gonna play a Mm -hmm. lot uh Matisse Thibel at the five is really interesting. That could it's, it's a big be change. a good call. Yeah. No, that could I think that could yeah. be a good call. Especially, you know, the Heat went small, like really small, quite a bit in that first round series. Like, and I wonder if they'll go to that again where they don't necessarily play Deadman in his normal minutes. Mm-hmm. And when Bam goes to the bench, we'll see what happens. And, you know, Harden could 
draw two fouls in the first mm-hmm. six minutes against Bam, and then okay, all of a sudden, like all bets are off. That's totally on the table. It's the, like the crazy things can happen. So um, I'm interested to see if Harden. He doesn't need to have like a 40-17 game uh, for them to win. But I, I'm curious if he has one of those left in him, like in his career. I, I mean, it's it's weird, but it's almost been a while since he's been in a position to cook like he is in this, in these games without Embiid where, you know, the Nets had such a weird roster with, with Durant and Irving, whether they were playing or not. And... It's been a long, and now with Embiid, obviously they're a good partnership. The pick and roll is great, but you know, playing with Embiid calls for certain kind of, you know, give ups or whatever that Harden has to do. Um, my, the word is escaping me, but certain just kind of, you know, how hot is it in Phoenix? <laughs> <laughs> he has to make certain concessions. There we go, playing with Embiid. Whereas I think right now he can really, they can really put three shooters and a screener around him or or four shooters around him and kind of give him space that he has not had in a long time. And I know he's not been blown by people, but I think if you give him enough space, you still want to put Tyler Hero or Max Struess on an island with James Harden. Maybe Struess because he locked up Jason Tatum, but... I'm gonna hero, call. Hero, I'm gonna no, call. So con, I'm gonna call concessions give ups from now on. That's <laughs> like a. We just should be simplifying the English language. Thank so you. Thank yes. you for that. Um, I'm not from this country, so... Don't make excuses. Stop that. <laughs> um, George Niang could play some five. Tobias could play some five. I I do wonder, though, if Doc Rivers is that type of coach, honestly, especially in a game one. Like he, he Yeah, we'll like, find we, out. Yeah, we're going to we lean have, on our centers. Yeah, he's like, we got four, we and it's like, Paul do you? Paul Reed, ba- Bassey, he, he, I, I, I'm sorry, you're just... Stop. Like, you don't need to do that. Uh, but we'll see. It should be interesting. Um, we're going to have a lot to say about this series. Can I throw something? Yeah, can I throw? Sure. I think the Heat are going to lose this game one. This was like entirely a classic possible. trap game. It's entirely possible. And Lowry's possible. important. Lowry is important. Um, I don't think they're going to. They're going to lose <laughs> this game, but they could. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a split. Um, in the mm-hmm. first two, that's yeah. definitely on the table. Um, it's just going to be really fascinating to see Harden. I'm, I'm really yeah. that's like one of my favorite. It'll be right fun now. to see. It'll be fun to see. See what he's up to. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for 
or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Okay, so let's let's move on um, and talk about the basketball that was played yesterday. I want to open... We're going to start with Celtics Bucks um, game one. And I want to open with this email we got from a fire, fired up listener, Christopher. Shout out to Chris. All the, all the way up in, uh, in New Hampshire. Um, a legend. A legend for this one. Who writes, uh, Dear Rohan. What up, I'm Chris? not sure. This is just for Rohan, I guess. I'm not sure if you caught Friday's podcast, but Michael finally went full homer and picked <laughs> Boston in five. I hope you'll be kind enough to remind him, A, that unlike Brooklyn's Island of Misfit Toys approach to team building, <laughs> Milwaukee is a team capable of being the sum of their parts. B, that Boston won't, in fact, be able to play Brooklyn every round of the playoffs. C, There are players besides Giannis and Middleton fully capable of scoring enough to win, (laughs) especially if Boston scores less than 100. And D, the quote-unquote defensive player of the year looks pretty (laughs) pedestrian, injuries notwithstanding. Uh, Christopher, I just want to say thank you. That is, uh, I, I want to print that out and hang it from the rafters of my apartment <laughs> building in Los Angeles. That's the best email we've ever received. He should be out, allowed to host an episode. Like, that is the one of the most prescient emails we've ever received on this show. I, I would not call it prescient. I would call it reactionary. Um, I read this email to prove that we don't censor our listeners. Oh, um, wait, wait, he sent that after the game? Yeah, of course. No, that's right. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a this is an open forum for thoughts and ideas and conversation mm-hmm. to flow. And while I personally don't have much to say in direct response to Christopher, <laughs> um, I think it's a, a good opening for us to get into our talk about Game One and this series as a whole. So I'll just I'll let you start, um, Rowan. I gave you a, a few questions just to kind of kick off this discussion but just what what most surprised you about game one obviously the Celtics lost by double digits um at home on Sunday afternoon just what what would most surprised you about the result of that one um probably that Jason Tatum airballed both a dunk and a three I, I haven't seen that happen many times in an NBA game that was pretty surprising um, my, our editor, our editor, Matt Wong texted me yesterday and he's like, what do you want to write about for tomorrow? And I, I think I literally said, what was funnier? Jason Tatum's airball dunker three. <laughs> I hope he blocked you. I, I really do. <laughs> um, I, I'm not. I'm not saying this to troll. I'm not super surprised about game one only because I, I held, I think, Milwaukee in a really high regard. I also did pick Boston to win this series. Um, 
So the first thing I want to throw out there is I'm kind of over the concept of game ones. <laughs> like one thing I've realized doing this long enough now is like every year there's a shocking game one. And every year you talk yourself into believing something based off that game one that ends up being just not true at all. So I, I did my my rankings today, Monday, you can read on SI.com, kind of restacking the field. Who do I think has the best title odds with the eight teams left? And I still put Boston ahead of Milwaukee. That that. The way Boston dominated the last four months of the regular season is not erased by what happened in one game. Uh, having said that, that was a tour de force defensive performance from Milwaukee. I think I alluded to this a bit last week in some of the writing and I did in some things I said on the podcast. Boston did a great job defending Kevin Durant in round one, but Brooklyn still actually found ways to score. That was pretty surprising to me. Um, how well they actually scored as a team in that series. Um, I think Boston, after round one, only had like the fifth best net rating um, uh, in the playoffs. So I also, this is all of me to say, not that I think Boston's bad, just because that, I don't think they were as dominant as they were. Uh, at, people kind of talked about them after round one as this juggernaut that, to me, overvalued what they did in round one and not enough about what they were doing in the regular season. Anyway... What really stood out to me about yesterday's game was when Chris Middleton went down, I thought Milwaukee was going to put Pat Connaughton in the starting lineup. He's been a, just a deadly catch-and-shoot three-point guy for them. He was fantastic during the finals last year. I think he's really improved on both ends of the floor throughout his career. I thought they would start him. They'd give Giannis space. Instead, they've gone with that super big group, Giannis Portis and Brooke Lopez playing together. And... I mean, it's no secret if you watch the game, I'm sure you've heard the stat, Boston had only 10 two-pointers. Milwaukee just completely shut off the paint, uh, and that was a fantastic performance. And I'm interested to see the efficacy of that group, that three-headed you know, monster of bigs moving forward because I- I'm still not sure how how well it can really work. So I agree first of all i have no regrets about picking boston in five like (laughs) of course you don't no no of course you don't um i'm glad that you made that point about game ones game ones are really interesting can i can i throw a stat that you maybe saw is it the two for ten yes two and ten yeah so that stat that you're referencing uh put out by uh espn's kevin pelton is that uh, playoff teams that win on the road in game one by double digits are in, two and ten in, in the last the decade, I believe. Yeah, in yes. the last decade. Yeah. And the last this this isn't the last the last time it happened was the series that I covered uh, like two weeks ago <laughs> with Memphis <laughs> yeah. and Minnesota. Um, and in 2019, these two teams it actually happened where the Celtics went into Milwaukee. Uh, spanked the Bucks and then just got rolled in the next four games where Kyrie Irving thought that he was Meta World Peace guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo in the fourth quarter of all those games. So um, there's really no... I don't think Boston has any reason to panic about anything. Uh, the Bucks defense did what the Bucks defense does. They walled off the paint, uh, packed the middle forced a whole bunch of threes. Boston didn't make a lot of those threes. And uh, the thing about Boston's offense that really struggled, because 
Boston's defense also did a terrific job. And honestly, like Giannis didn't have a great shooting game. Giannis was straight up like bad by Giannis standards. He played yeah, he was, like, very well. Smoking layups and I mean his playmaking was you know, that was the best thing of what he was doing yesterday, obviously defensively. But yes, he was not he was not finals Giannis. Giannis was and this is one of the reasons I like Boston. Giannis was four for nine in the restricted area. I don't know the last time he was ever four for nine yeah. in the restricted area. He was seven for eighteen in the paint. Like that's he made his mid range jumpers, which was a difference maker for sure. Those are shots forever that teams are gonna love. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter like that's yeah. just how you gotta guard him. He's amazing. Um but Boston's defense was amazing in the half court, actually better than Milwaukee's. Um, and I thought they executed their game plan nearly to perfection. They doubled. This is something Ime Odoka said after the game, and I agreed watching it live. They doubled Giannis probably too quick off of there one was pass one, away shooters. There was one double they sent to Giannis. Granted, it was Pritchard that was guarding him briefly on a switch. It was. I was watching the game with a friend. I was like, "That's the fastest double team I've ever seen." <laughs> uh, truly, the. I. I yes. Well, no. A, I mean, the center of their defensive game plan. This is something I. I wrote about for tomorrow because I wrote about Drew Holiday's um, isolation Holiday offense. Was, Holiday was fantastic, by the way, defensively. Yes, defensively. Dare I say? He was, dare I he say? Was good. The best he's, defensive he's a, guard on the floor yesterday. He's he, okay. He was good. <laughs> he was very good. Um, so uh, the point that I made was that uh, Giannis is everything to their offense. To I'm sorry, to Boston's defense. He's mm-hmm. like their son. He everywhere he goes, they're worried about him. Uh, they normally switch everything. They even did it with KD. Not everything, but almost every ball screen, they're switching on and off with KD so that they always have a man glued to him. It wasn't like that with Giannis. Like, Al Horford was asked mm-hmm. to fight through screens and stick with Giannis. They can did I, not want to switch. Can I just say sure. a word of support for Al Horford real quick? Sure. I think he's always still. Welcome. I think he's still one of the most underrated big men in the NBA, and I, I genuinely thought the Heat should have gone after him for years. Um, he's, to me, like, they talk about, like, Smart and Rob Williams and the key to Boston switching defense. It also doesn't work without Horford, who every time is switched onto a guard. I, I, I'm i confident Horford's going to win the matchup. There's so many guys I'm confident he's going to win the matchup. Yesterday he was 3 of 8 from 3. You really can't ask him to do much better than that. I mean, eh. I, I, he had he had wide open looks. I get it, but I mean, at the end of the day, um, I, I just think he's he's still an underrated big. And what I loved about yesterday's game was watching guys like him and Brooke Lopez really affect the game. But yeah, man, Horford, I just think he's he. We talk so much about Tatum's one-on-one defense and Smart winning defensive play of the year and Rob Williams roaming and covering non-shooters, but Horford, man. It doesn't work without him either. He's so good. Horford's very good. Uh, in situations where they would normally switch ball screens, um, the Bucks would have Giannis set the screen on Holiday instead of Lopez because the Celtics put Tatum on Lopez so they can switch those actions. But with Horford, they would drop. And on the first, 
I think it was one of the maybe the first play of the game or second play of the game. Giannis comes up, sets a high ball screen for Holiday, and he just dribbles into a pull up wide open three, drills mm-hmm. it. Um, those are those are going to be avenues for Milwaukee if they're if the Boston is committed to um, not switching a ton uh, with Giannis in situations like that. But like. At the end of the day, the number one reason Boston should feel confident going forward is the turnover game was outrageous. Like, the Boston Celtics had one of the best offenses in the NBA uh, the last few months of the season, in large part because uh, their passing, their ball movement, their man movement, the cutting, it was also crisp, and they took care of the ball also. Uh, some of the sloppiest basketball that the Celtics have played offensively in in months in that game. And some of that is for sure Milwaukee's defense and their pressure. And, I mean, credit to them for having the energy to pick I was up just saying, that's what I was, everyone I, I, full court. I shouted at Holiday. I mean, him picking up smart full court start of the game, I thought, set the tone. And like I mentioned, playing those really big lineups, I think, played a role. I do think there's an element of turnovers that's definitely – not sustainable for what Milwaukee did. I mean, we can go through the list of things we think are going to change from game one to game two, and you can make the argument in any team's favor, but you're right. I, I do think that it's it's fair to think Boston is, is more capable of taking better care of the ball than they did in game one. At the same time, I think Milwaukee's going to give them problems. Can also, I also just want to say, watching Milwaukee, even though they have an old-school defense, is so refreshing because – it just has become like all the good teams want to switch. Every def- it's like how well are you going to hold up on switches? Who is going to get targeted? And Milwaukee's like, yeah, we're playing a seven foot guy with really long arms, and that's not even our best defensive player. We also have Giannis Antetokounmpo, aptly nicknamed the Greek Freak. And yeah, they're just playing drop and they're just walling off the paint, and it's actually really refreshing to watch a team play defense that way. Refreshing is is one word for it. Absolutely, <laughs> um, it was a great defensive performance, no doubt. Uh, going back and watching the game Brooke again, was as insane, I, man. He was he was very good. Uh, the Celtics also had quite a bit of success on high pick and rolls with Jason Tatum and Rob Williams, drawing t- uh, Brooke Lopez out of the paint, or when he didn't even want to come out of the paint, Tatum made him pay with the pull up threes. Um, that was a really good look for them that they didn't go to. I, mm-hmm. I think like if you watch, obviously they watch the film as a team. They're going to probably attack that matchup a lot, I would assume, going forward. And Jalen Brown was just a complete shell of himself in that game. I do not expect him to play that bad, be it the turnovers, be it airballing a floater, be it... Um, he just did not look engaged offensively and was down on himself defensively trying to hang with Bobby Portis, who hit some ridiculous contested shots that you just got to live with. But like kudos to the Bucks for kind of understanding what the assignment was. That's like the best way I could describe that victory for them. They you know could, exactly what they You could tell are. that team has won a championship together before. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like they I, had, did not have Middleton, no panic, knew exactly what they had to do, knew the, the intensity level that they needed to, to come into this game mm-hmm. with. So absolute kudos to them, incredible performance. 
you know, shooting 18 for 50 from behind the three point line is just like not going to get it done. And uh, I really think that like there are different things Boston can do to Brooke Lopez to really take advantage of that deep drop. And, you know, Tatum forced a bunch of shots in the paint that he normally would kick fine shooters, kick, drive, kick. Grant Williams had one pump pump fake and go, and he tried to shoot a floater over Brooke Lopez, and it was just like swallowed whole when Daniel Tice was wide open 15 feet from the basket on the baseline. Like there's all these different things that they can – Mm-hmm. Uh, adjust with so I, like I don't think the Celtics should be that concerned uh, it's going to be a really fun series though and uh, I kind of look forward to game two Tuesday it's a big one yeah um, I definitely think you should be concerned because the emailers are bringing the heat let's um, go yeah and I love uh, it. I'm glad everyone <laughs> just got to listen to you rationalize that loss um, in real time, you know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, but that's what I do. I, I respect I'm feeling, our listeners. I'm, I'm feeling great to give them the knowledge. That's I'm feeling, what I'm trying to do here. I'm feeling great about my bucks, Mike. That's all I got to say. I was really, I really enjoyed that game. That was, uh, you, did you, you pick the Celtics? <laughs> yeah. Here's why, okay. I, here's why I picked the Celtics because it, it will make it funnier when they eventually lose. Um, I could be like, Hey, I expected you guys to win. What happened here? You know, this team was supposed to be historically great. Um, and yet here we are. Historically <laughs> great? What do you, I don't even, I really don't know what universe you live in sometimes um, or why that would be funny. But yeah, sure. Uh, at what you point know, did you start to get nervous yesterday? At About the game? Yeah. Um, I thought they were going to lose the game when I saw Brad Stevens walk out of his suite. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the point where I was like, oh, I guess this is not competitive anymore. Um, no, I mean, yeah, down double digit, like I, I, right around then, late in the fourth quarter, like f- I forget. I mean, exactly. they, had the, they had the crazy stretch. Was it, was it late in the third where Giannis picked up that one of the, maybe the, Lowest IQ, one of the worst Bad fouls foul. I've seen him take in the years of watching him. That was the worst foul he's taken since he hip checked Mike Dunleavy. That was. I don't even know. I honestly don't. I, no, I wonder if like, anyone asked trying, him about it after the game. Was he like trying to come out of the game? It was such a weird foul. And after that, you know, I think he checks out and it's like a six point game and there's a little over three minutes to go in the third quarter, and I thought that was when Boston needed to make the run. And I tweeted, you know, if Boston wins this stretch, I think they win the game, like, you know, tied up at least. And they they didn't even cut into the lead. And then the Celtics started the fourth quarter with an awful lineup, and that was kind of a rare, I thought, misstep from Udoka. I agree, but I also think there's plenty of things the Bucks can clean up as well. You mentioned Giannis going 4 of 9 in the restricted area. I also thought he missed some layups and shots he normally makes. Drew Holiday did not have a great uh shooting game um it's not like the bucks caught fire from three or anything and again i think part of that again is a credit to boston's defense but i think both teams are probably looking back at that game oh we there's things we can clean up there's things we can do better i do think it's obvious boston probably will have a higher sense of urgency and a more intensity headed into game two are there any other like what did you think of the matchups individually like i already talked about how the Celtics started with uh, Tatum on Lopez. Uh, they they 
really mixed up the uh, really interesting coverages on Drew Holiday, and I, mm-hmm. I honed in on that just because I wrote about it. So I was going back and really focusing on that. But like putting Grant Williams on Drew Holiday and then being able to switch pick and rolls because Grant Williams is suddenly one of the most <laughs> valuable players on the <laughs> yeah, team. Seriously. Um, so I just thought that that was really, really fascinating wrinkle going forward. And honestly, like what may be the best lineup Boston has in this series, like, I don't want to say it doesn't have Horford in it, but like Tatum, Rob, well, Rob and Tatum are, I mean, I'm sorry, Horford and Rob are kind of interchangeable if Mm -hmm. Horford's threes are falling, but the lineup that I think Ime should give a look at going forward is Rob, Tatum, Jalen, Peyton Pritchard, and Grant Williams. I think you need to Mm. try to combine spacing as much as possible. They're going to give you the threes. That's what this defense does. They're going to give you wide open threes. Right. Uh, Peyton Pritchard had wide open threes. There's going to be a game in this series where the Celtics shots are falling and it could genuinely get ugly. Um I th- I loved how you mentioned how the Bucks or the Celtics put Tatum on Lopez. I loved that right from the start of this game, there was no there was no easing into it. There was no like regular season BS. It was like no 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 no. It's time. Very physical. Yeah, very it's physical very game. physical. We're going with our matchups. I wonder if the Celtics can find ways to attack Portis more. Like I just, it's crazy the Bobby Portis roller coaster, but like. Through the first two games of last year's NBA Finals, people were like, this guy's unplayable. The Suns are going after him in every switch. He was out of the rotation against the Nets. Yeah. Straight up. He was out of the rotation. And, you know, again, obviously Milwaukee's not a team that's switching everything, but is there a way that they can target um, Portis? I'm interested to see what happens with Derek White. I mean, he hit a couple threes yesterday, but I thought he had some tough moments and he was a little bit up and down uh, in that Nets series as well. Do you lean on Pritchard more? Who I'm with you. Like he had wide open threes, and I'm at the point I'd rather him taking those shots than Derek. Um, and like well, he's, he's a better shooter. Yeah, yeah, he's a much better and, shooter. And he's gonna and he's gonna have a game where they fall. Um, and I think playing them together is probably not the move. So I like that lineup you're suggesting. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see if Milwaukee at, at any point counters by going like really small with the honest at center. Can they get away with for a brief stretch playing? Connaughton and Grayson Allen together on the floor with Drew and trying to put a ton of catch and shoot guys around Giannis. Like, uh, I think Grayson, I don't think that I just don't think that's that's not. I who mean, they it's are. not. It's not. It's really not. And they only they only even come close to doing it when I think they're really really backed into a corner. Like it wasn't until late in that net series when they're like last year where they were really doing kind of crazy stuff and then you know back again in the conference finals and finals they went back to doing who they are but i i think if a team is capable of pushing to them to such lengths i think that team is boston i think that bud will go down with brooke lopez yeah especially with the like the banner has been raised yeah like he's if you thought he was you know i mean maybe maybe now he, with- i mean maybe now he has the freedom to really get weird who knows we'll see Maybe. Uh, any other thoughts on game one or going forward in the series, or are you ready to move on to uh, to Grizzlies Warriors? No, just want to, once again, if anyone, for some reason, is tuning into the podcast now and missed uh, what I said earlier, Jason Tatum, That's not did, a podcast Jason Tatum did airball a dunk in a three. So That's not <laughs> even close to what happened. The wait is over. 
The Shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Uh, okay, let's move on to Grizzlies Warriors. This game was incredible. That was uh, a playoff So game. much fun. Yeah. Um, the Warriors pulled it out uh, very late. Um, like last possession, John Morant missed layup type of ending to 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 close off the victory. Clay Thompson, the multiple up time down, champion, yeah. <laughs> was very excited after that one. You love to see it. Um, well, he almost I, messed it up for him. I'd be excited too. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start uh, just like uh, you know. This is kind of superfluous to the to the to the game now that it's over. But like, should Draymond Green have been ejected? Like, what? I just want to get this out of the way because it was like I, you know Draymond. Uh, after the game recorded his own podcast, oh God, he refused dude. to come on open floor. The invitation was sent uh, and dismissed. He went on his own pod. He explained, uh, for, I guess for those who don't know, Draymond Green was ejected in the second quarter of this game after he smacked Brandon Clark in the face uh, and then, and then pulled him down him by, by the jersey, jersey and pulled then, him down. But then helped him up by the jerseys too. Like So afterwards, Draymond... Uh, I guess he said it, he said ex- it was a reputation call. He said yes. he got ejected because of his reputation. Yes. Here's, here's the thing. Do I think he should have been ejected? I don't like players getting ejected from playoff games. I don't want, I, it just messes with the results and compromises the integrity of the game too much. I understand the NBA is in a difficult position because you want to care about player safety and you want to dissuade people from taking hard fouls. Then give them a massive fine or make it three free throws. I don't know. But do something besides uh, 
ejecting players. As far as Draymond's reputation goes, I mean, so we did this during the Nuggets series. I love Draymond. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. He could get two technicals within the first quarter of every single game he's ever played in. Like, the level of verbal abuse he gets away with with referees is unlike any other player I've seen in my life. That includes, you know, you name a superstar. They're not going at reps the way Draymond is, you know, glaring at them, staring at them, clapping at them, yelling at them after nearly every play. Um, I mean, he was getting – we don't have to get into it. But so – it, Draymond, it's a double-edged sword, but refs recognize how intense he is, and so that means he gets away with more verbal abuse. But when something like that happens and you have a history of flagrants or kicking people or whatever it was he was doing during that 2016 run, yeah, it's going to happen. And he can say it's a reputation thing, but he has to be accountable to that reputation. He has to be accountable to that perspective. I don't think he made a dumb play, um, and I don't think he should have been ejected, but I'm not like sitting here, you know, singing songs about how bad I feel for Draymond Green either. You don't have any songs for me? <laughs> no, I, I do came not have no music, no original music. Some Draymond sympathy tunes. Yeah. Uh it is uh, yeah, I kind of I agree like I don't want to see guys get ejected from the playoffs for hard fouls, but like don't do that. <laughs> yeah, also don't <laughs> hit people in the face, yeah. Don't hit Brandon Clark in the face and then drag him to the ground by his jersey is nothing that has nothing to do with basketball that's yeah. like not a basketball play at all uh brandon clark could have gotten hurt very important player for the memphis grizzlies he was like their third best player <laughs> in the first round uh and then you know going on the pod and and kind of talking about it and then saying that you think it's going to get rescinded and then the league is like we're actually going to publicly say that we are not rescinding this <laughs> it's pretty funny um but the way he left the arena was also just kind of ridiculous. Like you're a vet. He man. lost. He like, like what snapped. Are you, like, what are you, like <laughs> that was just weird. Even Igadala was kind of like, "What are you doing, man? Like, like what is this? Like he uh, he was he was hyped up. A lot of adrenaline. But that uh, is but what, and, and the thing is, at the end, of the, that's Draymond. That's what you want from him is that level of intensity and energy and like sociopathic will to win. That's what makes him great. That's what makes him great and makes him to me one of the most fun players to watch. I could watch him defend pick and rolls, you know, for the rest of my life and be happy. Like it, but he he has to also be accountable to why he has that reputation and, and why that perception about him exists. There was one play I'll just say about Draymond that I thought was just unreal. Um sniffed out a so brandon clark had he was guarding brandon clark brandon clark had a lot of success in the first round on uh fake dribble handoffs where he would keep it and spin middle and then just the lane would be wide open for him kelly he learned and that from kelly olenic watching kelly that olenic olenic teaches film. everybody yeah teaches everybody i remember i asked bam at a bio about that when i did a story about bam and he was like yeah kelly told me and then i went to kelly and I was like, Bam said he told you to like taught you some stuff. Can you like, can you kind of like let me know what exactly is like in like the, what makes a good fake DHO, a fake DHO, whatever? And Kelly was like, I can't tell you any of that. That's like the secret, the secret sauce, baby. I was like, you are the <laughs> biggest legend of all time. Um, okay, but anyway, getting back to the play, Draymond sniffed it out. Was not fooled for a, a half second, and then blocked Brandon Clark's floater. 
which just like the timing the to hardest, do that, the, the hardest length. shot the game to block. Yeah, it was it was it was very impressive. Okay, so one of the really interesting things about this will lead us into the rest of the game, talking about it. But one of the interesting things, and Jeff Van Gundy pointed this out on the broadcast. Uh, Draymond not being available in the second half allowed Jordan Poole to start. And Jordan Poole finished the second half with 17 points. He had three threes. He was seven for 11 from the floor. Six assists. Uh, best player on the floor, maybe. You could make the case for sure. And one of the most interesting things that I'm finding about this series, and honestly, this this postseason is can we have a, a quick little conversation about John Morant's defense? Yeah, please. Uh, it is. It is not good. It is. It is bad. And in the first round, I don't think I'll ever forget Patrick Beverly coming to the podium after the uh, the meltdown in Game Three by the Timberwolves, and he basically said like. That game, for those who don't remember, that game began with Patrick Beverly just going at John Morant one-on-one in space and scoring over and over again at the rim, drawing fouls, doing, giving him the too, the too small. And after the game, Patrick Beverly was like, I had a conversation with my trainer after game two, and we liked that matchup. Which is just one of the great, low-key great quotes. Morant never looks skinnier than when someone's posting him up. And then you're like, wait a second, what happened here? Uh, Like Clay, Clay was posting him up at one point in the game, and I was like... Ah, yeah. Like, that's why it's so thrilling when Ja does all the dunks and stuff. It's because he's very tiny. So, I think Ja is an amazing player, obviously. Uh, there are just... we. I, I feel like, to keep it real... <laughs> w- like, I'm asking you this question in all honesty. Why is it that we kill Trey Young for his defense but we don't talk about John ja Morant's defense. Can you answer that question for me? I think it's because Ja has been able to lead his team. Like the Hawks... Wait, 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 wait. what? The Are they Hawks, in the conference finals? No, the Hawks... Mike, you know, you're going to make me criticize the Hawks conference finals run last year, which I don't want to do, but... Last year, the Hawks, frankly, played two teams that were just not in a position to take ba- take advantage of how bad his defense is. Um, you could even argue they played three teams because even Milwaukee is like so reluctant to match up Hunt. Um, so, dude, dude, okay, but I just think I just that the Grizzlies were that good this season. That's why it just that's why. I mean, it wasn't an issue this season. They were able to you, finish the do, second do, second seed. Do you, Okay, do you know what their defensive rating is with John Morant on the court versus John Morant off the court this season? Let's hear it. So, John Morant on the court this season, defensive rating was 111.2. Okay. John Morant Morant off the court, Memphis Grizzlies defensive rating 105.3. The 5.9 points per 100 possessions difference was the biggest disparity on the team. In the first round... That widened, mm-hmm. and I mean they went on a lot of big runs with him off the floor in the first round. Yes, and like you know, 
on offs do not tell the whole story you got to watch the game but if you i'm saying just like if you watch the grizzlies play if you watch john moran's defense even in game one yesterday he's not boxing out he's gambling for steals his man back cuts layup and you watch his teammates they're like they're yelling at him. So Dylan like, Brooks is a great communicator. And I actually, like, he yells at guys, but you know he's right. 100%. Um, and I'm just, you know, again, I think that Ja is incredible. They wouldn't be where they are with him. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, they went 20 and 2 or whatever when Ja was at. Like, I don't care about any of that. He's the reason that they won game five. He's He was incredible offensively down the stretch. But, like, so you're just using this stat no, no, no. to further your Trae Young agenda. No, no, no. This has nothing to do with it. No, I'm, I'm trying to keep it 100% real. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm wondering why we're holding one player to a standard and another player to a different standard. Because John Morant's defense is just as bad as Trey Young's. And anyone watching these two teams play can, can see that. And if you watch game one, Golden State's strategy, they started GP2. Just so GP2 could set ball screens for Steph Curry over and over and over again and bring Ja into that mm. action. Over and over and over again, they had four on threes with GP2 coming up at the, about the, the free throw line, finding, kicking out to wide open three point shooters, Clay in one corner, Andrew Wiggins in the other. Like, it was that it was a, a fundamental part of their strategy, which mm-hmm. is something that you don't see out of the Golden State Warriors. That's yeah, really also not another how they team play. that's not a big yeah. Steve Kerr has said multiple times, "I don't manipulate the game that way." That's not how you do it. They were manipulating yeah. that matchup. They were making him work defensively. They're going to do that this entire series. Mm-hmm. If the Grizzlies win, best believe the winner of the next series is going to do the exact same mm-hmm. thing, and that's what the playoffs do. Like. Teams saw what Patrick Beverly you're, you're did. Don't only think they as, you're that, only that as good as your your worst weakness in the playoffs, and it's how can you compensate for it? So, I don't. This isn't like my number one takeaway from the game, yeah. but I'm just like I think it's a fun, not fun. It's just like a, an interesting thing that I just. I mean, I you think wrote, we should be paying you, more attention to. You wrote the big stories on Trey Young and John Morant, so I mean, this this kind of feels like maybe. You know, I I should be asking you this question. Um, you know, you've, uh, I'm just going off what I read in Sports Illustrated, bro. Um, I I will say I have watched uh, thousands of minutes of both of these players uh-huh. play basketball, and I don't see a, a a big difference, and I do see a wide gap between how we talk about them, and I just think it's it's interesting. That's I mean, I if I had to say why, which I think is a separate conversation than obviously what happened to the game, I just think that the Grizzlies so far have been able to kind of make up for it in a way that the Hawks haven't, and what Morant doesn't have that Young has, that Trey just kind of has the baggage of his first couple years in the league um, when people attach these expectations to him, oh, he's going to be the Steph-like figure, and then the Hawks were just kind of so bad and not fun to watch. The Grizzlies never had that period. I think if they had that period and weren't always kind of this exciting upstart, um, it would be a lot different. But the the ascension with Ja, I think, happened more quickly, which is why that conversation didn't happen. I mean, it's I think Trey followed a similar... Uh, it's not dissimilar to happen to Devin Booker, right? I mean, he got killed for his defense, empty stats guy, et cetera. And that's because they they had all those years where they were in the lottery. So if, we're, if we really want to get down to like, 
why that conversation happened. I think Jaw has come into the spotlight with less baggage than other guys have, just because the the rise kind of happened more quickly. Our expectations for the Grizzlies are different. How he consumed his career uh, is different. The kind of the excitement level. So I think those are the factors why. But I, it's a good point ultimately that you're making, which is that his defense is an issue. And like every other team in the playoffs that has, you know, either the guy that gets targeted or whatever it is, they have to figure out a way to overcome it. Yeah, and I also think that when people think of Ja, they think about or they see the block that he had against the Lakers. And it's like that was a defensive play, an incredible defensive play. Mm -hmm. He had the steal in the corner um, at the end of game one yesterday where it's like oh incredible instincts incredible defense and he he has the ability to use his athleticism in passing lanes getting steals yeah. creating havoc getting in transition lob finish like he can do all that stuff and i think people remember those moments where like trey you know he's his not size yeah doing it, stuff it, like it that. Affa- his size affects the perception certainly i think that's a really good point so Talking about this this game one just holistically, did did the Grizzlies like blow this whole series? I don't think game? so. I know people are saying that, and I get it. But like I said, I'm just tired of overreacting to game ones. Um, if if they lose this series, it could be because Golden State is just better and has more championship experience. And you know, to me, what was crazy about game one, Golden State had four more rebounds. They matched Memphis in offensive rebounds. That's without Draymond. That's with Kevon Looney playing 19 minutes. I was yelling at my TV, and I was so upset when Clay missed that second free throw. This is That, to me, is a sign of a young team. How are you not prepared to get the rebound in that situation? That's your game Mm -hmm. on the line. Gary Payton comes in from behind the three-point line and gets the, you know, it should have been Grizz- Warriors ball. The Grizzlies catch a huge break with the jump ball, but that should have been Memphis rebound, timeout, and, you know, instead, the ball goes out of bounds. There's a jump ball. You cost yourself valuable time. That was, it, it's lame to talk about rebounding, but that was an incredible rebounding effort from Golden State that finished the game with Clay Thompson playing center, and they're still getting offensive rebounds. It was, and that speaks to the pretzels that, that Steph turned their defense into. Uh, the switching that Memphis had to do to compensate for Jaw, et cetera. But, like, the Warriors winning that rebounding battle? I mean, that was crazy, man. It's not lame to talk about rebounding. <laughs> Incredibly important. The reason why Memphis is here is their offensive yes, rebounding exactly. in the first yes. round. Uh, so, 100%, that was a huge factor in the game. That's something that Memphis, like... Their ability to just out hustle out whatever their opponent have more energy on the glass, um, have like second and third efforts for loose balls, like all that adds up, and that's mm-hmm. why Memphis is Memphis and why they're they are where they are. If they're losing that marginally, then they pretty much have no chance, like because yeah. the Golden State Warriors will out execute out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously have better shooting. Like you have to win yeah. the possession game. What, I think what, if you're what do you think happened to Bane yesterday? Was he just off? I, I was kind of shocked at the game he had, and was like, "Where? When's he checking back into this game?" He came back in late 
for Melton. So, well, Melton was playing really well. He was. So that might have been a little bit of a factor. But, yeah, off night for Bane, I think one of the most fascinating... I'm writing a story about Bane right now. Mm-hmm. One of the most fascinating things about him is... Uh, and the way that Minnesota defended him versus how uh, Golden State did yesterday. Like, Minnesota's strategy was essentially... We're taking away Jaw's drives. We're not. There's like every time Jaw has the ball on the perimeter, there's going to be three bodies in front of him, and we're going to need. In this case, probably it's going to be D'Angelo Russell, unfortunately for Minnesota, to worry about Desmond Bain. And you know there were many, many times where D'Angelo Russell was not up to the task there, and Desmond Bain shook free. And in games three and four, took 25 threes and mm-hmm. was like the greatest three-point shooter you've ever seen. Yesterday, <clears throat> what we saw was uh, every touch, every catch off a screen, two guys are in Bain's face. When Bain's running a pick and roll, they're blitzing him. Uh, when J- ja, like Ja's driving lanes, especially in the second half, were... Just like something he had not seen in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was single coverage. Bain's, when Bain was stretched out, um, you know, 35 feet from the basket, his man, whoever it was, be it Steph or, or GP2, would be really not in a help position at all because they're so worried about the kickout. Jaw noticed that, Jaw attacked, and Jaw finished. Uh, and the play where he's like, when at the very end of the first half, where he told Jonathan Kaminga, poor Jonathan Kaminga, he can't guard me multiple times. Watch Desmond, but if you want to go back and watch that play, watch where Desmond Bain is, watch where the help is. That's why Ja got to where he got, why he got to the floater. So Bain had an impact. Their half-court offense is, like, really, really bad when he is not on the floor. Um, And his three-point shooting is absolutely just critical to their success, for sure. And I'm not too – I wouldn't be too concerned about – about his poor, I think he'll have a bounce back game. Uh, getting that dunk that he took uh, from GP two was was tough. Yeah. And again, I mean, those, are those, those are those plays. Those are again those plays where I mentioned where uh, Ja is brought up into the screen and Curry hits him on the slip, and it's a four on three. And so when we look at Bain getting dunked on, that's because of Ja's defense. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think Bain Bain will be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it would be that big of a deal if they ended up winning can that I, game. Yeah. Can ahead, I hit Rohan. you? With, can I hit you with a crazy Warrior stat that kind of blew me away? Sure. All right. So I don't know if the the new death lineup played yesterday. I don't believe they did. Um, can you Can you tell me what the new death lineup is exactly? It's Steph Curry. Jordan Poole, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins. At least that's what people were calling it after that Denver series, right? Um, Do you know what their net rating is in their last three games that they played together? In the last last three times this lineup has appeared, they've played 28 minutes together. Do you know what their net rating is? I'm going to guess plus plus 29.4. How about... Minus twenty point nine. Whoa! Okay, They're, that lineup is starting. Kenny to get, Smith lied to me. That yeah, <laughs> that lineup is starting to get. Uh, so I mean, for the course of the playoffs, it's still really, really good. 
Um, for the, for the looks of the playoffs, they played um, five times together now, 39 minutes overall, 21.4 net rating. But after those first couple games in the Denver series, I mean, Denver was starting to have success with it late in that series. That lineup's really evened out. And that's one concern I have with Golden State, and it might not even come to pass in this series. Steve Kerr is still really trying to figure out this rotation. And, you know, at the start of that game, everyone was saying they, they overthought it with GP2. They need to play pool. I don't know if that means they're going to take Wiggins out of the lineup, but they're still figuring things out, which is why I think Memphis is still very much in this. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play so when i asked you what the death lineup the new death lineup mm-hmm. was is because in my opinion gp2 should be in that lineup i think that's and a I'm great not, point i'm not exactly sure who that fifth guy is honestly like they closed they closed out denver with i want to say it was draymond steph clay um Otto Porter, Porter GP2? Yeah. Hey, yeah. So I just wasn't say, even on the court. I just want to say very early, like maybe the one of the first podcasts we did before the season, I was like, I think Otto Porter's going to close some games over Andrew Wiggins. Now, that was an insane take for me to have at the time. And then the <laughs> what, did you, what did you base that on? I'm just curious. I just thought he, I didn't <laughs> think Wiggins was going to have the shooting season he had this year. Mm-hmm. So I kind of really based it on like, oh, maybe Porter's going to offer them some more space as a guy who stands in the corner than Wiggins. But lo and behold, it it, it happened in a playoff game. So I felt kind of vindicated. It was big time. Yeah. Uh, but I, 
Yeah, like GP two is not a six three person. Yeah, he's he's his own position and yeah. does so many things for them. Um, but I think fundamentally, like, so just talking about pool for a second, because obviously he had a tremendous game, finished with. He also did get what, dusted by Jaw a couple times on the perimeter. As does one well, is, many, yeah, many. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but I, I, I posed this question to you in our outline. Jordan Poole is a top blank underline player right now. Um, we're obviously months away. I wish it was years away I'm, from doing the top one hundred. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, I'm, I'm, I might be on vacation those two months. Um, <laughs> so we got that unlimited dude i mean think about it i asked you before the start of the playoffs do we want pool or hero and i think we kind of were like uh I, I think i ended up saying pool it's not close now like you, that would be a joke if you ask somebody that i mean is he a top i'm gonna I'll say a, uh, let me say a number i can that i, say I think num- is reasonable okay because i have a number that i think is unreasonable so i don't know i if bet you, want- you do yeah I'm gonna, I was going to say top 30. <laughs> I was going to say top 50. You think he's okay, a top 30 so guy right no, now? No. I, I, I mean, just, he's I'm just, insane. I'm, I, he's like, I'm just a guy asking questions. So, I mean, as That's we've seen with Kevin Durant, once you leave Steph Curry, um, things aren't so sweet anymore. <laughs> I'm but, saying, like, this no, dude I mean, is not old. No. Um, he can. In all seriousness, they found another clay at the worst. Like, not defensively, sure, but... I mean, he hit that, like, pull-up deep three yesterday. Like, just, you know, Memphis is going around. He just walks it up, pull-up deep three from the he right wing. Six, he had six points in, like, 13 seconds. Yeah, he's he's terrifying. He's a problem. I, I They have to figure out how it's going to work because they are running into an issue where too many of their good players are, like, guards. Like, Steph, you mentioned Steph Claypool and GP2. That's going to be tough against certain teams, but I don't want to start thinking about the top 100 because it's going to drive me literally crazy. Like I'm not going to be, I'm not going to show up to the Suns game tonight. And I'm going to be like, I was trying to figure out where to rank Jordan Poole. Um, <laughs> Jordan but, Poole's true shooting in the playoffs right now in 199 minutes is 72.1 percent. I'm uh, I'm willing to say he's a top 40 guy. I'm willing to say he's a top 40 guy. He's 22 years old. Like, for projecting forward for what he can do next season off of the uh, off of the playoff run that he's on right now, I know there were some clunkers in the Nuggets series, but... He also is playing with two of... I mean, gravity doesn't begin to ex- explain what Steph and Clay have. Correct. Absolutely. And you see it when they're interacting, like, directly... Um, when he'll set like a ghost screen and the defense will just like melt into a puddle. But I mean, the production is the production. The shot yeah. making is the shot making. The shot he making hit one is three the where he got making. slapped in the head yesterday. Yeah, that's it was correct. like what from like 30 feet, like his handle. You say he's like clay. I He's closer to Steph. He's like a mix. Yeah. He's like He's got handle, independent shot creation. He's obviously faster than than Clay yeah. ever was. Um, I mean, his two point percentage is through the roof. Like he's he's he finishes. Like he's he's a very special. Oh, he gets some player. sick layups. Yeah, his his 
finishing. Yeah, yeah, man. So that is that's crazy. Jordan Poole top fifteen players. And remember be when everyone was like in the finals oh, when the Warrior. It was like, oh, should the Warriors trade for Damian Lillard? Like, how is that going to work? This isn't that because it's not like Poole is like a high pick and roll player, but it's pretty crazy to see them add a shooter of his caliber to what they had there. It's nuts. Or if they drafted Lamelo instead, and then Poole, we, we, you never would have had the Poole. Yeah, whatever this is. Interesting sliding door stuff happening in Golden State. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll just close by asking you this, Rowan. Does this change? <laughs> does Game One's outcome change like anything you thought? What did you? What was your prediction for this series? Was it? I think Warriors I had Warriors in six, in six and I'm still going to yeah, go with that. I, I think too. they finish out at home. I but I just and to me, I think we saw the good and the bad of Memphis. Right? They're fearless. They go down in the fourth quarter. They come all the way back. They still have a chance to win on the last play, but. At the end of the day, I, I, I'm one of those people that's like, I need to see Steph, Clay, and Draymond lose together before I'm willing to believe it's a possibility. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, and that's the, like, I talk about the Heat all the time. Like, oh, they don't know who their closing five is. Um, they don't know who their best five guys are. I think Golden State is figuring out their lineups, but it's a lot different figuring it out when you have Steph, Clay, and Dre. As the as the starting point of what you want to do, um, and just the championship experience that you have, they they're battle tested. They can play so many different ways. I mean, think about just how different Minnesota or Memphis and Denver are. Um, yeah, I I do think it's t- it's time to stop this like Xavier Tillman starting at center. Like, just play Brandon Clark. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Stop getting, stop being cute with it. It's a question that I think, I think Taylor Jenkins could make that adjustment at some point. Um, my understanding is just that you can't play Brandon Clark too many minutes because one, foul trouble, two, he is just all energy mm-hmm. and. Sometimes he is the only big. He's only 6'8". Yeah, Sometimes no. he's the only big on the floor, and he's, like, tipping out misses, over jumping over four guys. Um, every finish that he has is usually, like, through contact. He just takes – it's a beating. And I, it's, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I'm also a proponent of play your best five players to start the game. Um, mm. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I – I, what you're saying are real concerns. So let me just add, let me just ask you. So is Eric Spolstra a moron for bringing Tyler Hero off the bench? Then no. So Tyler Hero is not one of the five best players on the Miami Heat. Is that what you're saying here on this podcast today? You know that I've been a hero skeptic for the, a long time. I don't know why? <laughs> I just you. I don't think that they could get away with his defense in starting lineups. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just, that's it. That's that. Um, we didn't talk about trip at all. Uh, Yo. I, I just want to quickly say that one of the reasons why I think the Grizzlies, like that was a real, that's what particularly hurts when he goes for nuclear from three. Yeah. It was his, it was his best game of the season. Like, yeah, not even close. Uh, I, after watching him up close in the first round, 
some of the baskets that he was making, some of the the moves he was making. I was like, where is this? Where did this? Forget about the three point, like the shots that were falling. His aggression on Wiggins, on Clay, that stuff just like wasn't there at all um, in the first round period. And he stayed out of foul trouble, which is the number one mm-hmm. problem right now with his game. So, you know, if he's able to replicate that against these small lineups, then shout out to him. Very fun player to watch. You can kind of see him. The wheels are kind of churning he in his head. You can kind of see it. 33 a bit. points in 31 minutes. Incredible game. Incredible game. I mean, they also, I'm looking at the box score right now, and it's like Brooks only played 30 minutes because of foul trouble, which, I mean, is going to happen the way he was hounding Steph, but he's two of eight from three. Bain is one of five. I think Jackson's almost definitely not going to have a game that good again. I think you're banking on Bain and Brooks to do more than 17 points on three of 13 shooting from three. So... You know, and you could go do this with every playoff game, go up and down the box score, say this won't happen again, this will, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, losing, I mean, Trip was sensational, man. I think I just sent an all caps text at one point to the group chat that was just Trip. He was so good. He was so good. I saw that text and I, I flipped my phone over. I was like, <laughs> I can't. I'm not. <laughs> Rohan's about to go on one. <laughs> this could spill into some Celtic slander. I, I'm, I, not, I'm not I engaging. thought I was very respectful of you and the space you needed yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right, Rowan. I think that that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, thank you so much. Can for... I send one last shout out? Sure. You sent me, you forwarded me a very nice email that we didn't have time to get to on the show. But shout yes. out to shout out to Jackson, I believe Jackson and his wife who listened to the show, and they said they loved um, the enthusiasm hat. I just want you to know it's it's real. I love it. I love doing the show. I love talking to <laughs> Mike. Like we're having a good time. I mean, this is it. We've been waiting for the playoffs. Like there are only good basketball games left for us to watch. Like every basketball game that's going to happen from now on is between two good teams, and they're going to be good, and that's really exciting. Amen, brother. Uh, so thank you to you. Thank you to our listeners, um, all of you. Please keep your emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Thank you for excusing my head cold. It is hopefully almost almost out of the system. Feeling a little better every day. Uh, but thanks, guys. Everybody, please stay safe. Everybody, please continue to enjoy the NBA playoffs. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. <laughs> 